Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot round! I don't. What is hot round? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob! This is it! The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide-open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you gonna get me the oh, ball? Oh, I'm getting the, oh, the, the ball! Get the ball! Get the ball! I hope he didn't kill somebody. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's gonna make the difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. I got a whole lot of money. Tell it for me. Bottle keep popping that water bath. Welcome in to 11 Personnel, Nick Roush and Adam Luckett here to chat a little UK football with you today. As always, our podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Sliced Bread. Wait, no, 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 no. That, that's Texas A&M's recruiting class. Uh, good. College are... Station Slush Fund. <laughs> Proud to present 11 Personnel. We are actually brought to you by Prospects. Uh, download the app today. Use the code PERSONNEL. You'll get $100, up to $100 on your initial deposit. Match, go play some parlays. You pick some players, go over or under, parlay together, win some money. I did that during championship weekend. It was a lot of fun, especially when the lines are really tough. It's a good way to get a little action. They've got NBA, NFL, NHL. They got it all. College basketball, you name it, they got it at Prize Picks. Download the app or visit prizepicks.com. Use the code PERSONNEL and get your deposit matched today. Look it, it's been um after kind of a slow offseason week, National Signing Day produced a few fireworks, uh, mostly in the the form of coaches just being full of shit. Just just full of shit. There's no other way to put it. Uh Jimbo, uh he was so defensive. It's like oh, he was ready to fight Lane Kiffin. Like I mean, meet him in the Lane, meet him in the streets. It's, it's like if you confront a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, hey, you cheating on me? Well, I would never cheat on you, ever. You're the one cheating on me. It's like, hey, somebody being all defensive over here. I think they're hiding something. So that's, that's what Jimbo was doing. It's like, dude, why, why, why? we aren't that stupid, okay? Was it $30 million, like sliced bread said? Probably not. <laughs> but you mean to tell me that AM's just recruiting good because the coaches have done have worked hard? Oh, I bullshit. I mean that it well all time college football rant. I mean, that was up there with Mike Gundy on 40. Trying to th- um Nick the Saban. I'm not gonna do it, so quit asking. <laughs> that was a good that, one, yeah. I mean, that one that was up there. Man. <laughs> Ain't he just talking like this, you know? He has had a president of Notre Dame. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) uh, He's had enough of Lane Kiffin. Not wait for that old Miss AM game. These are how, like, you have to create these new rivalries, like with this realignment. Like, AM and Ole Miss, now they hate each other. 
that that is perfect. Now you now they're now it's really an SEC matchup. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, what's the NCAA gonna? My thing is like people talk about cheating, blah blah blah. The, my new favorite thing is every fan base. If you go on any message board, they lose a recruit to anybody. It's all well, they have nil figured out, and we don't. Anytime we lose a recruit, it's it's you know it's name image likeness fault. Well, they have they have name image likeness figured out, and we don't. You go on Ole Miss's board when Kentucky got Javon Baker or oh they got they got name image likeness figured out. We don't have anything figured out, and so that that is the uh, that's the new kind of that's the new kind of uh, excuse. But yeah, yeah, you know, like the kids guys are getting paid now, y'all. So if you don't have your stuff together, you're not getting players. and has got a lot of money. The uh, there's opportunities there. Well, and I just, I just love that it's like we're going to use it to our success, but also, well, the rules. I don't know about these rules, though. I mean, it was like uh, Lincoln Riley saying, "Yeah, well, we there, I mean, to- there's really there aren't like it's not there really aren't no rules." And the NCA, like, they're not gonna do anything. They're just no. Gonna and if they do something, until- you're not gonna get in trouble for it till like five years later. So yeah. there, there's no. I mean, Emmert has already said that he wants. He wants the you know um, the government to kind of regulate it. I just loved Lincoln Riley saying that we need some guardrails on the transfer portal while Caleb Williams is on the screen. It's like Lincoln. Yeah. I was thinking this the other day. Like we do kind of have a window here. For the most part, the players are sticking through their team season. Yeah. Like for example, Javon Baker. He could have entered the portal earlier. If he does, he's probably at Kentucky right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but he waited it out. You saw all the Georgia players that entered. They waited it out. So most part we do have, it's from when the season ends until what's well, kind of happened organically. All these schools and players, I think, working together, they want to get in here before spring, spring ball starts. Yeah, yeah. So you do kind of have an established window here. From will have another one in Thanksgiving, May. the Monday after Thanksgiving, until mid to late January. That's the window. It's not crazy window, right? Problem is the signing days smack dab in the middle of it. <laughs> and like they're just hurting themselves with that. They just need to get that out of there. Move the signing day, like out to the January, or just go back to the February one. They, I mean, they have kind of a and then after it, you're going to have another window, Nick from. April until June, but then from for a month there'll be some a lot of action. But then by the time June, middle of June's there, it'll be pretty much all roster ninety percent of the rosters, ninety five percent of the rosters, they'll all be set in stone. Mm-hmm. So we do kind of have these windows. I know people are talking about that, but organically that's starting to get made because everybody yeah. thinks and kind of works the same way. Yeah, and I and I think the way that like like you said, if you just push back the early signing day to, you know late January or something. It doesn't like need to be in December. Like they need to get that out of there. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're, they're, they're giving themselves more headaches and work problems and workflow and all especially, that. Especially, especially with the, the coaching carousel stuff too, like taking a new job, you, you've got like days to get a Well, I mean, and you're pretty much saying that bowl games don't matter when you do that, you know, because yeah. what are the coaches really focused on right then? Right. Recruiting. And then you it get, just, I you mean, hell. Like that, right. You don't need to like, Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Jim Harbaugh, and um, Luke Fickle were all getting ready to play in the college football playoff for a national championship. 
And in the middle of that, they have to spend 95% of their time on closing out a recruiting class. Mm-hmm. Chasing dudes down silly. all it's over the stupid. country. Yeah, Get it out. It's going to get more attention if we do it in February anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't need it. It's, uh, it hasn't worked. Um, in general, it was a decent idea. If you want to have an early signing period, you need to have it in like July before the season starts or August. Yeah, and, and it could work then too because there's a lot of kids that officially visit right. over the summer. So they could and just be, sign before their senior season and boom, be done with it. And it'd be a nice little buzz for the sport a few weeks before the season starts. Oh, yeah, it'd be good. Yeah, like right before week zero, right before training camp starts. That would be nice. Yeah, okay. What, we, it's we something to build it. up to all summer too. We fixed it. We fixed the signing day. We fixed the early signing period. We fixed. Yeah, but you have to get it out in December. Like it's just it's so it just hasn't worked. It was a good idea in theory, but it's terrible. It hasn't worked. I think in general, it's probably we we talked about it benefiting Kentucky, and the numbers kind of say that it has benefit benefited Kentucky. And just looking back at some of the recruiting classes, uh. The you, I think you have had a lot uh, fewer flips than you did previously. Uh, just going back and trying to find some guys to compare to Noah Matthews. Noah Matthews was a the guy they took late in the class from Delaware, he committed on and signed on National Signing Day, a relative but basically an unranked guy from Delaware playing edge, picked UK over Illinois. He was a previous FCS commit. There was a lot like, like going back to find some of those old guys. That 2015 class, you had Jeremiah Denson committed and flips to Auburn at the last minute, so you'd go and get Chris yeah. Westry. You had two defensive linemen. One went to NC State. The other one went to North Carolina, and that's how you ended up with Josh Allen. But there used to be Jason a ton Strowbridge, of – Strowbridge, um, yeah. Tyrone Riley. And Strowbridge is, I think, in the NFL right now for the Dolphins. Yeah, he got drafted by the Dolphins. Um, so, you know, there's a it's, – it's probably has benefited them from that standpoint. Um, where you're seeing fewer flips down the road. But, I mean, I, I think you're right, though. Like, it, in general, not having to rush it before Christmas, probably for the best. Five years ago when we created the the, um, the early signing day, we thought, like, it'll help Kentucky because there won't be flips late. But with the transfer portal, now you have another avenue where you can get quality players. And I, I just don't think that's really a, much of a concern anymore. Yeah. Yeah. In my um, opinion. Now, one, one thing that has extended, I think it has a longer shelf life than before. We were doing this last year. The coaching carousel is longer than ever. And I think it's because it's become more interconnected with the NFL. The NFL pushed its season back a week. And well, so now, that, now, that and they, the signing day, like Brian Kelly and Lincoln Riley bolt early because they got to get into these new places before this damn signing day gets here. So you got, you know, you got Brian Kelly quitting on his team, Lincoln Riley quitting on his team in November. He's doing coach interviews while they're preparing to win a big 12 championship because of this damn sign. Like get the, get it out. Just out, go get out of here. Never come back. You got to get out of here. It's messing up all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And so that's why the carousel is so, wonky and crazy right now and that's why you're seeing i think schools fire coaches more earlier than not because they know they have to get an early start and they know they need to have a coach in there immediately after the season's over because the signing day is two weeks after that right right well uh 
and to show just how insignificant National Signing Day is, Jim Harbaugh spent his getting interviewed by the Minnesota Vikings. He did not take the job, uh, and there's been some ripple effects. So the first one uh, is going to lead us to Kentucky's offensive line vacancy uh, because I think a candidate for that job was Michigan's offensive line coach, uh, Sharon Moore. Good recruiter, um, experienced vet. That could have been a guy they could have gone after if Harbaugh gets the job in Minnesota. Uh, I know our own three Michigan site, they reported that Harbaugh was saying his goodbyes. He was ready to go. Well, he didn't get the job offer. And in turn, they ended up hiring Kevin O'Connell, a guy who is the Rams offensive coordinator. So you've got ripple effects in the other direction uh, because Liam Cohen could be a candidate for the job. First, we got to talk about Wolford yep. because that was uh, the biggest football story of the week up until this recent development. Uh, man, the – We've had some guys leave abruptly, um, and there's been some where it's unceremonious. Uh, Javon Bonite is going to Marshall, and that kind of just it just happened. You kind of expected it, boom, done. Uh, Jamal Singleton last year was on campus for like two weeks and left. Um, <laughs> but you just kept moving on, you know. You kept trucking along. This one, though, it got a little nasty there, Luckett, uh, because Wolford did it while out on a recruiting trip and then kept recruiting a guy to the his next school at Alabama. I don't think folks were happy. Yeah, with him um, not, um, not a way you want to go about your business. Um, but, you know, he might have been you – never. you know, Nick Saban has a reputation as a dictator and you know how hard they work and whatnot. He might not – like it was either take this job or don't kind of – he could have had something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like you're leaving this room, you're accepting the job, or it's not yours. You no, know, now you're you're wearing the elephant now, so you you're you're doing what's best for the elephant. And what's best for the elephant might have been to immediately recruit Jalen Farmer, who ended to up Alabama, uh, staying with Florida, <laughs> did not did yeah. not commit. He did officially. Visit well, if last you weekend. if you dig into that though, Florida Alabama apparently had a roster crunch, and it probably came down to they took that tight end who danced with Brian Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> so that but that mean but yeah, I mean he ends up with Florida. Um, I mean, that's just recruit college football recruiting. Um, like Nick, that kind of stuff happens in this sport. Mm-hmm. It's not great. It's not how you want to do business. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a way to burn bridges. But I mean, that stuff does happen. It's just unfortunate the it happened the way it happened, and it's unfortunate that what Wolford replaced. Yes, yes, that's what I think is the the bigger deal of it. Is it's like yeah, you went from a guy like Sharm and to Wolford and for it to yeah. blow up like that just leaves a bad taste. In the job wasn't like bottom line, the job wasn't how John the job to John Schlarman wasn't the same as the job to Eric Wolford for Wolford. This was just another step mm-hmm. in his career. You know, I don't know what's maybe he wants to get back in the NFL going to Alabama might be the best way to do that. You just don't know. Where Schlarman, this was like he was going to be, you know, he seems set to potentially be kind of a lifer at Kentucky. You know, he wasn't going to the NFL. It's probably going to take a lot to root him out. And as long as Stoops was there, he was probably set to be there. And then it might have been a situation where he could have been there so long. You know, mm-hmm. he's he could have been in his mid 50s. Stoops could have retired and he could have been a candidate to get the head coaching job. Yeah. Um, you know, but. Things happen. Um, 
he gets cancer, um, passes away, rest in peace. Um, but he was a lot of ways the backbone of the football program. The offensive line was was all of that. And Wolford just comes in. It's a vagabond for a year, you know, a mercenary and dips. So that and, and he's been that, that for real. His I whole mean, career. I'm sure that upset a lot of people that yeah. because he kind of knew what he was stepping into and then had he did that, I'm sure did not make a lot of people very happy. I'm sure it didn't. And especially being a Youngstown guy too. Uh I bet they thought that they could Yeah, but he wasn't a Cardinal Mooney guy. No, he was he wasn't. He was an Ursuline guy. He was a rival. So you know, you can't trust those so bastards like from Earth. High school rivalries, I'm sure that got brought up <laughs> when he did that. I'm sure there were a few cuss words oh, in that, that Ursuline, you know what? <laughs> I'm sure that was brought up. But you know what, though? He did – I mean, the offensive line played well in his one year. He recruited his ass off, got – did well. And I think, you know – Great early returns on the recruiting trail. Yeah, sure. in, in – it, what I think is important is that even though you might say he left the cupboard empty because they, they haven't really repped any tackles that are ready to step into this, he did at least help Woodward and Cohen get their foot in the door in a lot of those places in Nashville. Now, I'm sure Kentucky's going to be recruiting against a lot of, you know, for, for some of those guys against Alabama, but now you're seeing Tennessee, Nashville, that like that's a pretty, pretty co- competitive recruiting territory between you know, UK and Tennessee, the Tennessee and just did a story on that where, um, you know, mm-hmm. you had guys committing to uh, each school within a week of one another. And then the other offensive linemen that UK is recruiting from that area as well. Jackson Smith, Brown, Smith, Brown. I don't know. I, I, I get a mix up. We're going to have Zach well, there was, uh, later to, to talk a little recruiting for the future, but Luke Brown's a 2023. Brown. There you go. That's um, the name that I couldn't think of. Cause he got interviewed in the article. Paris, Tennessee, Henry County. Um, now he's like a top 200 prospect. He's a guy Kentucky's been recruiting for a little bit. He is pretty. He had a top eight, and Tennessee didn't make it. Um, yeah. Basically, he talked about you know they haven't had a lot of success with offensive linemen. Kentucky, you know, they're getting dudes drafted pretty much. And so that's a big. That's kind of a big deal. Now Paris is not really natural. That's over to the left. Some um, towards. It's closer to France. West Nashville. Yeah, yeah, it's closer to Arkansas than it is to Knoxville, it looks like. Uh, but yeah, and so, still. And so, but yeah, I mean, that's just that's just kind of the sell. Joe Crocker's a tackle in Nashville. Kentucky's in heavy on. Also a great singer, too. Uh, really love the one of your theme song. Yeah, so, um, you know. <laughs> God, I'm terrible. Oh, okay. Hypo hasn't had much success there. Kentucky has. It's kind of a recruiting rivalry building in um, I wrote kind of some signing day takeaways from the cycle. And one, the one I thought was Kentucky and Ohio is obviously the backbone of the recruiting operation, but you have to spot recruit for, other, for the next half of the, the other half of the class. Mm-hmm. We've seen them going to DMV, Detroit, some are all hammered away in the deep South. Eddie Grand dabbled in South Florida, but Metro Nashville is going to kind of be a thing where you could, I could potentially see that as being more than kind of a spot recruiting area. It could be a thing where they go in and get three, four players every year. And so I think that's going to become a big area. We're seeing Scott Woodward is kind of um, getting his, his feet underneath him as a recruiter. He was big mm-hmm. in, I think, both the Barry and Brown and um, the new receiver commitment 
big in both those recruitments. And so he's starting to establish relationships there. So uh, Nashville, I think, is going to be a big place over these next couple seasons. Um, I think the offensive line coach, they would like somebody, I think, maybe with some ties there, or they think could go there and do a real good job recruiting. Um, and so I think that's about to become a very big area for Kentucky. Um, and it's going to really heat up that Kentucky-Tennessee rivalry. Yeah, and speaking of the next guy, um, we, we did it again, Luckett. We we heard about a pro coach. We just got the wrong one. <laughs> Late last night, I was going through NFL coaching rosters. I probably went through like 10 to 12. And I was just looking at guys that maybe would have had like similar scheme, I think, to maybe what Cohen runs. Yeah, and Cohen loves Kyle Shanahan. Like he, he, like I he, went to the 49ers. He says Sean you know, and Kyle. They're, he's first name basis. Yeah. Name dropping those yeah. guys. Yeah. I don't, um, I go there and like some, some staffs have an assistant OL coach. Not all of them do. A lot. Though. Not, uh. but I haven't seen the 49ers are the only one with two. And we just, I think, looked at the wrong assistant OL coach at first. I think they had three because there was, um, so you had Butch Berry. That was the name we initially heard. He was our Shane Waldron. Shane Waldron yeah. <laughs> was the name that came up the last go around. We were looking for offensive coordinators. Waldron ends up going to the Seahawks to call plays for Pete Carroll. Um, meanwhile, it's Liam Cohen, who was the guy the whole time. This time, we heard Butch Berry, who was an assistant to Forrester. Is that right? Forrester's been there like 28 years or something. Yeah, a long-time vet. Yeah. He, so we thought it was Butch Berry. Turns out it's actually uh, Yenzer, and it's Zach not Yenzer. Zach Yenzer. Yeah, right, Zach. The right Zach mm-hmm. Yenzer. It's not spelled like the Pittsburgh Yenzer. He's actually from Fort Mitchell, Kentucky, uh, a Northern Kentucky kid. Who? It, it's one of those things where you're like, man, where's the connection here? And you scroll the bottom of his bio, and you see uh, Troy started his career as a grad assistant at Troy. His first job was working for Schlarman. So, like, you want to check boxes. You check a box for the culture fit that Mark Stoops wants to see. You also check a box scheme-wise of what Liam Cohen wants to see. So, yeah. I mean. But it's this- not it, – yeah, it's not only that, though, Nick. Um, Sonny Dykes was Arizona's offensive coordinator when Mike Stoops was there. Obviously worked with Mark Stoops. Yenzer started out as a GA under Dykes 2010 at Louisiana Tech. Sonny Dykes gets the California job in 2013. He brings Yenzer on to be his offensive line coach. He spent most of his career with him. I mean, he he did the yeah. I'm hitching my wagon to Sonny Dykes. And then when the Cal stuff start going wonky, he goes to Kansas. Kansas tries, tries to do the air aid. It goes terribly. He leaves there and goes in QCs for Dykes in his first season at SMU. Mm-hmm. And so they're – you know, that that's another deep connection, obviously. I mean, that's a lot of experience. Um, an interesting blend of kind of air raid. Um, but then he goes to the NFL three years with Shanahan, kind of this wide zone structure. Um, so a very interesting background. Obviously, recruiting's the thing here. You just have to you wonder about that. Um, but you would you get why they would like him. Obviously, there's you know, he knows Schlarman, worked with him on a personal level, and then He's got um, background with guy, a guy the Stoopses are pretty close with. And then 
obviously a guy that play caller currently in Lexington has a fondness for there in San Francisco and Kyle Shanahan mm-hmm. that he worked for for three years. So obviously there's there's a lot there. Yeah, so that that's a name to watch. I know we also early on in the week, uh, uh, Walt Wells, um, a, a previous Mark Stoops staffer, his name got thrown around a lot. Um, so that's that's another one to. The thing keep an with eye on. Wells here is Yenzer's background is probably better from kind of a just a technique um, development coaching standpoint. Um, but Wells has a lot of ties in the state of Tennessee. Yeah. I believe his brother is a coach at a big time program down there. They're, he's from, he played college ball at Austin P. They've got deep ties there. And when he was at Tennessee, he had a cup of coffee at Tennessee under Butch Jones. He recruited really well for them. And so if you get him, you could potentially be adding a guy. One, Wells is familiar with kind of Kentucky. He was QC'd here for a couple years. He worked with John Schlarman here. So he kind of gets what he's stepping into. You know, he gets the state. He's lived here for a little bit. But also he's got that Tennessee background, that recruiting chops um, that he could really, I think, make a big splash as a recruiter for Kentucky. Um, it seems like those two are the the names being leaked out, the two guys right now. So just something to think about. Obviously, Yenzer, you know, checks some boxes, but Wells as a recruiter, there's a lot there that you might have to think about. Yeah, yeah, and especially after you lost a guy who recruited so well in Wolford. So, um, but I think yeah. either way, it's going to be an easy sell for the fan base, especially the way Wolford went out. So. Uh, looking forward to see this one play out. I have a feeling the next time we're recording, we'll have a report. So and so expected to be next O line coach. So yeah. this and is we'll our talk time to, to Mike speculate. Stoops. We'll probably talk to another O line coach. I'd imagine that happens at the beginning of spring ball, which is yeah. probably three weeks away. Exactly, exactly. And you know what? Will, will Liam Cohen be the coach? We don't know yeah. because now that now that's up in there. Oh man! And so when Kevin O'Connell gets the job. Our rival, our 11 personnel rival, Jordan Rodriguez, she reports that the most likely candidate to replace O'Connell, or the most logical one, would be to promote within Matt Thomas as their assistant head coach right now, coaches running backs. Uh, I, Thomas Brown. Thomas Brown, sorry. Uh, got Former my Georgia running back. He was, in, um, he, was a, he was an SEC assistant for a long time before going to the NFL. And if he worked I'm under not, Mark Richt for a while at both Georgia and Miami. If I'm not mistaken, I think McVeigh has done a lot of promoting from within. It's all been promotion from within, all right. every hire. Now, she leaked out Thomas Brown when I thought that deal candidate might have been Zach Robinson, former Oklahoma State quarterback, had a cup of coffee in the NFL. He's had the two positions that Liam Cohen has had on staff, assistant wide receivers and assistant quarterback coach. Mm-hmm. But uh, she leaked Brown, who's been with the Rams – now and he's the assistant head coach right now. He got a promotion coming into this year. Yeah, he's got the kind of associate. You know, that, that that's a pretty big role. But I mean, O'Connell was the same way where he got promoted from within to that coordinator position. So mm-hmm. if you're well, Kentucky they fan, gave you, you're hoping for the internal promotion. But Cohen does have the. I mean, it would almost be like an internal promotion if he just did a year in college and then came back. You know. Um, mm-hmm. I immediately the my my knee jerk reaction as a Kentucky fan as a Liam Cohen fan, um, 
as a Kentucky 11 personnel fan and not the stupid Rams 11 personnel. Uh, my, I initially was like, why would he want to go there? Why? You, you can't call plays with McVay. And it's like, yeah, you don't need to because you're going to be a head coach in three years. Yep. I mean, like, it is a not even factory. just that. Not even just that. You can get an NFL play calling gig. Yeah, I mean, it, which he probably he is, could parlay into with another good year at UK, no matter what. But that one, you're guaranteed to be a play caller at minimum, a head coach at maximum within three years. What the Saban tree is in college football is what the McVay tree is now in the NFL. Um, he's going up against his former assistant, Zach Taylor, in the Super Bowl. Yep. Brandon yep. Staley posted a winning record in his first year despite it. Aggressive fourth down tactics. <laughs> and then Matt LaFleur wins 13 games every year with the Packers. Yep. Like all these guys are having success. Um, and so if you're now O'Connell gets this Vikings job and someone came after O'Connell to be the offensive coordinator last year. I can't remember who it was. And McVay made sure like they, that they kept him, that they got him a raise or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see here what McVay does. Um, obviously, like if he wants Cohen, I don't think Cohen can turn it down. No, no. Now, I don't. I don't know what what Liam Cohen's ultimate aspiration and, and goal is. I would assume he wants to get back in the NFL and be an NFL head coach. I, I would assume that's the end game. Mm-hmm. But, but that that's just an assumption. Maybe he, you know, maybe he wants to make his own path, do it in college. Maybe he likes college. Yeah, maybe I mean, he's crazy. He likes recruiting. Who knows? But, but, like, like you just said, being McVeigh's number two, which is what he would be if he replaces Kevin O'Connell, that's fast track to a, a offensive coordinator position or a head coaching position in the NFL. And now that they have Matthew Stafford, yeah, there's some stability a there. Quarterback, there's some stability. But the thing with the Rams, Nick, too, I think we need to remember financially, they went. All in. Oh, it's a it, it, it's a very tight window. I mean, they have maybe what like two years. Their draft picks are gone. Yeah, it's all old um, guys. It's old guys. Um, that roster is going to be very old very soon. Yeah, they got maybe two years. Yeah, so that that's something you would have to think about too if you're going. Like, there's a rebuild aspect coming there eventually. Yeah, uh, the one I, I I think the general notion when he was hired was that. Well, he's eventually going to want to go back to the NFL. And if all goes well, two years from now, he, he's back in the league. And you know what? That, that's kind of a um, – I think most people were kind of fine with that notion, uh, especially the fact that, like, they've got a lot of guys coming back. He's helped get a lot of playmaking talent in. You, you could certainly be content with that, especially if he, he leaves the next guy with a decent quarterback. Uh, the, this job would certainly, I think, could change plans. But you know what? His plans, like you said, might have changed once he got to Lexington. Um, he can make Will Levis a first-round draft pick in 2022. Like, the tools are there if, if Levis yeah. meets the production and kind of cleans things up. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he, he started his family in Lexington. Got married and had a kid. Like, basically, as soon as he stepped foot there, he gets to bring Woodward along with him. Um, yeah. You know, so that there, there is, is also, like – not everybody wants to leave like that just one year, one and done. Mm-hmm. I feel like you put them in a tough spot. So there could be some of that. I mean, I just know like what that job is under McVay. It's just going to be hard to turn down. Yeah. Yeah. So we're rooting for internal promotion. Um, I mean, hell, offensive coordinator for defending Super Bowl champs. Pff, that'd be a heck of a title. 
but they're not going to be Super, Super Bowl, Bowl runner-ups. Yeah, there you go, Luckett. Yeah, then he's Super Bowl runner-ups. Oh, man, that would be a big suck it to you, Luckett, if um, – if 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 McVeigh beats your Bengals, then takes 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 your OC. Oh no! Just give me one <laughs> at least. Um, just, what? Let's double dip again. Give me two. One, one funny thing I heard about Kevin O'Connell: he got drafted to be Tom Brady's backup eight years into his career, into Brady's career, mm-hmm. and now he's a head coach as yeah. Brady's retiring. <laughs> that dude. And he ended crazy. Brady's career. Yeah. Yeah. On the yeah. other sideline. That's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. So um, uh, I think in that case, though, we won't get as rapid of a return. Uh, if you if you want to – if I if Galaxy Brain in me is thinking, well, maybe if they get the 49ers guy, who might be more of Cohen's guy, that might be a way to sweeten the pot to try to keep him around. Um, but we're not going to know anything until after the Super Bowl, I would say, within a week or yeah. two weeks of that. Uh, yeah, at least, yeah, at least. Yeah, so yeah, that's gonna be it's gonna we're gonna just wait on that for a little bit. Which, um, but we should know by the time the time spring football starts, we should know. Which would suck. And that's though. another thing that could put them in a really bad spot, Nick. Yeah. They could enter spring football without an offensive coordinator. Yeah, that could be that could be rough because you got put in a bind with with Clink's late departure last year. Um, you just can't. That that could be tough. That could be really tough. Um, because even yeah. though they're because now you're all, talking about the NFL getting pushed back really puts them in a tough spot on that. And you, you have a lot of reasons why this job would be attractive to an offensive coordinator, but the, the timing of it does just like guys just aren't eager to yeah, jump if they're suck. gonna start a spring. So, uh, it might be a th- <laughs> interim Eddie Grant for a year, no, uh, Josh Estes Wah, or uh, you know, I. Woodward? I've really Just liked some Woodward. of the stuff. I've, <laughs> no, I've I've really liked the, some of the stuff I've seen from Scott Woodward. Mm-hmm. I could see down the road him getting this job. Mm-hmm. He played quarterback. He could easily make that. I think that transition. The quarterbacks coach. He's got the. I like this little Whipple um, coaching tree. Him and Cohen are off of. But he he's had one year as a full time position coach, kind of assist yeah. position coach at a big level where Cohen had you know, three years in the NFL or whatever. Right, right. That'd just be a huge jump Jump forward right now. Mm -hmm. It'd be, I mean, it'd be, Kentucky would be in a tough spot if Cohen left here. If they, they, Super Bowl's on the 13th, on the 17th, he leaves, you know, 10 days before spring football practice starts or whatever. That'd be tough. That would be tough. But hey, it's not going to happen though, am I right? Yeah. (laughs) Eternal promotion. Come on, Sean, you know what to do. Um, I also don't, do we, do we have anything else to discuss like before we talk to our pal Zach? Uh, Go to my handy dandy list. Yeah. yeah I just, um, that. yeah, the, um, Todd Harris, Todd Harris, excuse me, Rutgers. Yeah. That, um, I kind of alluded to it, but that screams he's from New Jersey. That screams he can do community college courses to make up for all the credits he needs to catch up yeah. with. Good for him finding a spot to play next year. Yeah, yeah, he needs teaming up with Gavin Wimshead up there. Oh, um, senior bowl shrine bowl going on. Oh, try to yeah. get to some senior bowl practice on TV today. Uh, Marquand McCall has really made a big splash out in Vegas at the shrine bowl. I believe that game's tomorrow, Thursday, February tonight, 3rd, Thursday, night. Thursday. Thursday night. Oh, yeah, I'll start. Well, tonight is to, uh, I'm getting my days mixed up. Yeah, that it's game, on tonight, Thursday. That basketball 3rd. game messes with everything, you know. Yeah, and so, uh, those two uh, canards seem to have a good day. Fortin Luke Fortner is really catching some people's eyes up there. Did you see the picture of all the three UK guys together? Like I did not. 
Corker looks so tiny. <laughs> he looks so tiny. Well, those are some big men he's standing by. Fortner, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's yeah. one thing that uh, we forget is as great as Drake was. Drake was like 5'11", maybe. Yeah. Fortner's, I think he measured in at 6'3 and a half, something like that. Like that That's a good size for six, NFL center. I think it was 6'4". Six, Plus six four. That, those plus. That, they do this dumbest measurements. I mean, just write it out, you you, you jackasses. Yeah. Like, oh, God. I mean, you have a hard time not convincing me. Fortner's not a top three center in this draft. You'd have a hard time yeah. telling me that. Like, I think he could be, you know, fourth round, early day three type pick. Mm-hmm. And then Kennard should. Kennard's probably going to be second round. Uh-huh. It's going to be first round. Some first round buzz. Bengals buzz. Maybe we'll see. Um, and then I think Wandell's probably second round. So mm-hmm. you'd have a busy day two and a busy early day three there for Kentucky, where Corker's probably more fifth to sixth round yeah. territory. Yeah. Um, but if he gets well, in the right situation, he could he could make an impact next year for a team. Also, shout out to one of the guys who's scouting down there, uh, Champ Kelly, former Wildcat, got a mm-hmm. gig with the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders. So he uh. I know he brought some UK guys with him when he was in Denver in the front office. He was in the scouting department. Uh, he actually interviewed for the Bears GM position. That's where he spent like the last mm-hmm. three years. And now he's going to be the assistant GM for the Raiders. So uh, exciting times for the former cap. Mm, do we have anything mm-hmm. else? Anything and the Raiders brought that Patriot combo. Josh McDaniels and I think his last name is Ziegler, the front office guy. So yeah, good, good, good opportunity there for Champ. Uh, Raiders got some decent young talent. They might be able to turn into something. McDaniel's and Carr could end up being a decent combo. Um, got yeah, the thing with Carr though is his contract's running out, and I don't know if they're going to want to give him that big payday there. Does he have next year? Yes. So that's, I mean, at least there's some opportunity there to either shop him with a sign and trade or. Uh, or yeah, there's definitely yeah. trade. Like 49ers are obviously if. Yeah, if Jimmy Shanahan G. was interested in him at all, it's obviously one with Jimmy G. I think some kind of, of it's New England reunion going to be like, how much does McDaniel's does McDaniel's like Carr or not? You know, uh, yeah, who's been he's been better than advertised, I think, for a lot of it. He's top twelve quarterback. What's Joe Burrow? Top five. I thought you were saying top two. I mean, he's one of the last two standing. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say Stafford's top five. He's pretty good though. Um, how, what, what was your heart like Sunday? Man, that was a tale of two halves. You know, uh, you know, me middle eight stand, we win the Bengals win the middle eight. And I was like, all right, they really got a chance here. They get that that tackle was huge. That was a huge get the tackle. They get a stop, and I'm like, okay, they got a chance here. But I'm still thinking, like, Mahomes is probably going to score at least a touchdown, probably maybe 10. So you're going to need to get to 34. So every possession, I'm like, oh, we're cutting it short, we're cutting it short. And it just, it just, things just started happening. Like, you get the tip ball interception, you go down, you get, they're, they're terrible on two point conversions this year. They get the two point. They get another – they get the early interception. They somehow get us – they get a quick stop, finally get pressure on them. And then, okay, they go down to kick the field goal. They – like Mahomes gets down there. 
And then these NFL teams, man, we saw it with the Titans last week. They're getting, like, all weird. They're not being aggressive. They don't want, like, the Bengals to get the ball back. You know, you you know, it's just – you get in this weird kind of situation, and then it, it kind of worked in the Bengals' favor. They get a sack, and Chiefs are all scattered. They get another sack and force a field goal and drop an interception. I mean, it was just – Felt like it was kind of meant to be. There, I mean, a lot of stuff bounced their way in that game. But oh man, even when when that ball was on the turf too, I'm sure there was like three seconds where you were like, "Oh my god, they're going yeah. to fall and win the game." Yeah, I mean, hey, yeah. And then like I thought, man, that's not an easy field goal. I thought Bucker was going to miss that 44 yarder. I thought that was like he's going to miss this, and but he drilled it. Yeah. And then you drop the interception, Eli you Apple. I, I mean, a pick six. He could have just. Waltz in the end zone. Yeah, oh, and then you Jim, get a tip ball, a crazy tip ball interception. Jim Nance was like trying to just jinx the Bengals into Bolivian too. When he was like, me, "This is like the dropped interception that Joe Montana had in the Super Bowl," and it's just like you're just yeah. kicking him in the groin. What are your thoughts on Tony Romo he's, as an analyst? He's just too. Um, he's too. He talks too much, right? Yeah, he and just, he also too is, much. he talks um, too much. Like I. His voice doesn't have – he doesn't have – I don't think he has a great broadcast voice. He gets a little like, I don't know. Like, and, like Troy Aikman is much more – Yeah, Troy Aikman is much more uh, – Yeah. He's got some gravitas to him, you know? Like, like the, the, the deep voice, the kind of authoritative. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I like that Romo loosened up Nance a little bit when he first got there, but it feels like he just needs to settle down some. He hasn't settled yeah. in. <laughs> I mean, he just – you see that, Jim? You didn't get my joke, Jim. And then he's try he's very much dad humor. Like he's trying very hard to make Chase is on the case. <laughs> like make that stick. <laughs> and it drives me. inside. I think it's hilarious, but live, it's just like, are you really doing this? He just I think he from an analysis standpoint, he's great. Like I take like I learn stuff a lot of times when I'm watching him. Different well, th- there's uh, also things he'll say or uh, you know tidbits he'll drop in but a lot of times just he talks like you're supposed well, to be second just take in, sit in, back in case in point throw it to you there was one play in particular where i think the chiefs ran a screen on third and long or no it might have been joe burr i forget who it was but somebody ran a screen on third and long and the running back just went the wrong way they went to the wrong side of the ball yeah it he saw it it was the Bengals. yeah so he yeah. saw it right away yeah and they had to settle for a field goal he mm-hmm. saw it and the problem though is that the producer in his ear didn't tell him to shut up he no. saw it. He should notify his like the, 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 that in the production. They got to be on the same pace because he was just like, "Oh, Jim, no." And then you yeah. don't. They didn't have a replay queued up, ready to roll, so he couldn't explain it to you. At, like along with the play, he's just like saying something like, "I can't believe they did it." And then you're sitting there waiting. I think they went to a commercial break before they even came back and showed the replay. That's just the kind of stuff that, like, dude, you're right. three years in. Let's clean it up a little bit. Yeah. I think he's good. It's just there's just mm-hmm. he's just take it down to maybe like a seven. You're at like a ten or eleven. Yes. Take it down to maybe a pump, seven. Pump the brakes, pal. Pump the brakes. Yeah, pal. but yeah, you definitely did have the oh, you know, Nance. Who would ever thunk this a month ago? Cincinnati, the kick, Super Bowl. <laughs> so you had you had him trying to you know have him as a marquee moment, but Romo just. Take it down a couple notches. In the game, like when you're like cheering as a fan, like he could be annoying. I like annoyingly, like you want to put it on mute. He's so bad, but it is what it is. We uh, 
Well, uh, and you're lucky enough you'll get Al Michaels, maybe his last Super Bowl ever. Yeah, um, Chris so. Collinsworth. I think you're going to get a very pro Bengals call for the <laughs> Super Bowl. Some Jeff Ruby. It's like the perfect. If the Bengals are going to get in the Super Bowl. That's this is the crew you want, the NBC crew. <laughs> Oh, man, well, we're going to get out of here. We're going to go talk to our good buddy, Zach Gang, and a little football recruiting chatter to end the show. Um, we appreciate you all, and we'll see you. see you after this. 11 personnel now happy to be joined by KSR's recruiting writer, Zach Gagan. You've been following along, Zach, for a while, but this was his first year diving in headfirst into football recruiting and like it I, I'm, I'm glad we're going to pick his brain today because i'm sure his mind was blown from time to time about how this hell this stuff goes down on the recruiting trail yeah it's definitely um things are a lot different over here on the football side i know zach has a little bit of a basketball background but things can get a little wonky on the football side a lot different i would say um from rankings to how they go about finding players, all that, all that good stuff. So yeah, going to kind of dive in here. So when yeah. you're in Zach, what, 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 I don't want to say blew your mind the most, but what surprised you the most covering all of the, these football recruits? Easily the biggest surprise was, was how, I don't want to say nice, but how approachable everyone that I talked to was, I don't know what I was expecting coming in, but I felt like cold calling a bunch of people was not going to go well most of the time. And like 95% of the time, everyone I talked to was like super open to, you know, talk about or pretty much hype up their kids and stuff like that. So that part, I was actually super surprised about how easy it really was to, you know, once you actually get in contact with these kids that, and the coaches that they actually want to talk and uh, give you some information. So that part actually shocked me a little bit how, uh, uh, they can just go and talk and talk and help talk to coaches for like 45 minutes sometimes without asking more than three questions. So, uh, but then there's, then you got kids that'll talk for, you know, 30 seconds and that's about it. So it's, <laughs> it's all about kind of like playing the field while you're doing it, I guess. And, and just feeling out the, uh, the personality of the kid, like from the jump and then trying to play out the interviews that way. And, but it's been, it's honestly been a lot of fun. And I feel like where I'm at now compared to last year is like, I mean, I couldn't even get on the phone without, you know, almost sweating half the time being like, I don't know what I'm going to say and stuff like that. So it's actually gotten a lot easier in that regard. And obviously having you two to help is a lot uh, easier. I, you know, I text you all the time asking, I mean, I can't tell me how many times I texted Nick being like, what does infield or side infield, you know, foot in the dirt type stuff mean? Like that's just <laughs> stuff that really wasn't in my lexicon before I started doing all this stuff. So uh, it's been a lot of fun really. The the uh, it's a lot different uh, from a from a media standpoint talking to football recruits versus basketball. Basketball, you got to talk to the handler and get approval and you know all that sort of junk. You don't do that with football. A little bit more access, um, but there's also more uh, quantity of kids you've got to cover. How many offers have you kept track of in the last month? Oh, in the last month, well, in the last two weeks, I know it's close to a hundred probably. <laughs> and uh, look, it's the one that's actually, he fills it all out and puts it in that, uh, that big Google sheet. I'm not actually sure if he still, if he still does that or not, but oh, I got to catch up on 23, was, but I was, I'm actually updating it right now. When, I, when so. I first started, that was like how I survived. Like the first three months was looking off your you know thing, figuring out all the recruits. Cause it's, I mean, it, like you said, the comparison between basketball is crazy. And 
like, you know, no offense to Kentucky football, but we're talking a three-star, four-star, like lower four-stars as opposed to, you know, top 10 players in the country with like basketball. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, it's a little bit easier to get access and actually talk to them. And, uh, but it does make it a lot more difficult to keep up with names. Cause like, you know, for instance, you know, Shamar Porter, when he committed, you know, he's a big time name, but wasn't really a guy that was necessarily on our radar until he just committed. And then, you know, all of a sudden we've got a big four time or four star recruit. So just in that aspect, I guess it can be super random, but or a little bit different than basketball. Yeah. And how kind of Kentucky operates, Nick, is a really kind of spray the board mentality. Mm-hmm. Send out offers, see what kind of feedback you get, and then decide how you want to allocate your resources there. Right. Uh, we, we, Zach, I believe, talked to Lebius Overton mm-hmm. at that basketball event mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. Has wanted to hear more from Kentucky. Um, now we find out today he's reclassifying 2022. He's going to play for somebody next year. He releases mm-hmm. the top five. Kentucky's not in the top five. So that was kind of a situation where Kentucky, you can't in like football recruiting, you can't just like be like, oh, that guy's really good. Let's just go after him. You have to, you have to pick your battles. Mm-hmm. You have to collectively recruit some of these guys. Like Keontae Goodwin was a the guy they thought they had a really great shot at. Um, Damon Payne, who ended up at Alabama last year, was a five star in Detroit that they recruited for a long time. So you kind of have to selectively pick, and it can be a long process. Um, like like Zach said. Because the board's so big, you know, there's so many different players, so many different spots you have to fill where, like, I guess, you know, compare it to basketball, it's just you got three, four guys you need to find, smaller pool, that type of stuff. So it's just a different different way and kind of how you have to go about it is kind of unique. Well, there, there were even situations where, you know, when I first started doing this, there were recruits that I was talking to and then you kind of wouldn't hear anything about Kentucky with them for like eight months and then all of a sudden – something it pops back up again like that. So like the process has just seemed a lot, you know, like there's like more played out and just a little, like they could go from point A to point B or, you know, good and bad really quick. It just, it felt like in that sense. Or it could fall apart really quick. What was the, yeah. who was the kid um, that you talked to from Michigan? It was like Kentucky or Michigan. And then he ended up at Akron or something. Uh, Kamari, uh, Kamari, Kamari Landers. Landers. Yeah. Yeah, because he was a kid that was like that was when I first started doing this. It was all Kentucky and all Michigan. Like those were the two teams that were after him. And then six months later, it was Akron. So it it was kind of incredible how those things were changing like that. And that's why those camps are so important that we go to in the summer and cover. Mm -hmm. You can learn a lot by God just going to those. Like Landers was a guy who went to that camp. Um, Guess they didn't like what they saw and kind of moved on from there. Um, So those are really essential. I mean for because they don't have tournaments you can go to. There's not like you can go yeah, watch a football yeah. game in June, um, right. so, you know, pick up football game. Um, so those camps in the summer are really essential. Um, that's where kind of the the sausage is made um, there when they can kind of get their hands on those guys and being able to track players to that. Mm-hmm. And that Kamari Landers was a guy who went to camp, probably didn't do too hot and didn't get an offer where – there are some other guys that probably went to camp and got offers because of that. I'm not, I can't think of any off the top of my head, well, but that's why those are very, very important. Uh, Derek Jackson's a perfect story on the camp. I don't know if you're about to tell that one, yeah. Nick. Well, Brandon White, Cincinnati mm-hmm. Moeller, um, he, he's one of them. Let's let's roll through some of these names because a lot of those guys signed where their kind of stonks went up and down throughout the process. Travion Longmire, 
four-star recruit, early commit for Kentucky, signs with EKU on signing day. Um, Jawan Northington, he was a guy where you were kind of playing the waiting game. Is Kentucky going to offer? Are they not? And that process ends up playing out. He doesn't have the senior season they wanted to see from him. He ends up at Murray State. Uh, and, and on the flip side, you've got instead a kid from Delaware, Zach, Noah Matthews. He commits on signing day. Um, I think next year we're going to have to send you to Delaware. That I mean, that, that's become recruiting central for Brad White. Yeah, I guess so. The, all those northeastern states up there, it feels like they're trying to hit a little bit more. It, it, or at least you all were telling me that that's kind of – they're trying to break into that area at least. So, Hey, it's worked previously. Yeah, I'll go up there for a free trip. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know a city in Delaware, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, ooh, um, I can name one. Like, can you name more than one city in Delaware? Yeah, I can name two off the top of my head. Dover and mm-hmm. – what is the other one um, Hartford? No, that's Connecticut. Yeah. Middletown. Oh, just because that's where Tommy was. <laughs> but I can name Dover. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I guess Noah Matthews is from Bridgeville. Uh, quickly on Matthews, like it, he was one of those late guys. We've seen Kentucky take flyers on guys late in the process before, and it works out very well. A little bit unusual because now you have the transfer portal. And I, I keep going back to the comments Brad White had after early signing period where he said, you know, I'm really picky when it comes to edges, almost to a fault. For him to take a uh, – it feels like there might be something special here that we're not seeing because if, if they're going to use a scholarship in this late guy, he must have something that Brad really, really likes. Yeah, I mean, he's a developmental player, I would say, but mm-hmm. there's traits there. He's got length. Looks six four, six five. He bat, like if you turn on the tape, there's like eight or nine batted balls. Mm-hmm. So that's obviously he can get up. He's probably got a good wingspan. Um, he shows some burst and and he's got the positional size. So you could see it potentially developing. He's got to come in and kind of see if he outgrow maybe outgrows the position. I mean, he's got a pretty big frame. He could probably put weight on there. But yeah, um, you can see it with him. He's got some. He checks some boxes. Mm-hmm. I think. Definitely. I think it was interesting that uh, him and Tommy weren't necessarily connected either, that it was more of a, mm-hmm. a random find from Brad White. So not, you know, maybe he had less incentive yeah. to feel like he had to pull that kid along and actually believes in what you yeah. know the potential is there. And that's spot recruiting. Um, the baseline of Kentucky's class is always going to be in-state and then Ohio. This year they got 40% of their signees were from, were from that area. So that gives them a recruiting backbone, but that's still 60% you got to find in other areas and so you got to kind of go in your different places where you have connections brad white has connections up there northeast that's where he's from mm-hmm. so not not a like crazy surprise but that they got two players in delaware in one class is kind of <laughs> this in, is weird in the front seven yeah yeah it's just that that's a little unique well and, uh, and there's actually i think a quarterback from connecticut that cohen is in on for 2024 I think, or 2020, yeah, 2024 oh, quarterback, right. Dante Reno, I think. Yeah. Man. yeah. I mean, quarterbacks, you're working a year early, you know? Man. Like, yeah. They're already, the 2023 kids are already starting to come off the board. And so, so well, and, that, and that's where I want to ask Zach. Zach. There, wait, am I back? You're still here. Yeah, there you're there. Zach, that's where I want to ask you moving forward. Um, 
some of the guys you've talked to already, I, I'm just curious what you're hearing. I know you talked to Shamar Porters, one of his coaches, and and also some of these quarterbacks. I know there's there's a big one in the state of Kentucky coming up that's in that 2024 class. Yeah, Cutter uh, Bowley, I believe, is his, uh, is his name. He was a very, very great kid. Um, I, just, I guess looking at the landscape of that, just the, from talking to some of the kids, it feels like, or most of the coaches, it feels like kids are kind of going a different route with how they're go or doing their recruitments now, not necessarily because of COVID, but because of the, like all the re- effects of it, like with the transfer portal and everything, like Shamar Porter, the, I, when I was talking to his coach, he said that the reason he committed so early was because they wanted to make sure that they had a spot essentially. And they felt that the fit with K- Kentucky was, you know, what they were looking for and they didn't want to, potentially delay a situation to where uh you know they were going to miss out on a on a spot with maybe a better school like a georgia or something because you know their uh, scholarship situation might be a little more tight um so like most of the kids just feel like they're kind of going at their recruitments a little bit sooner um and that that's that's kind of what i've picked up over these with the 23 and the 24 kids at least nick and uh, zach i think that's kind of a ripple effect from the transfer portal yeah, I think these high school coaches are worried, and I think uh, Coach McPeak down at Doug, um, yeah. um, over at Frederick Douglass talked about that on the depth chart pod- podcast with Freddie. It's just a worry right now that there's only going to be so many spots with this portal, and then you add in this, you know, there's still the super seniors that can come back for an extra year. That some of these high school guys, when they get, they have to grab it. Um, now, what we could see from that is just a lot more flips, you know. Um, we could see a lot more early commitments, but then when signing day get closer, we could see a lot more flips and it could get crazy there. Um, but I think that's that's definitely a domino effect from from the portal because it's taking scholarships away from guys. Like Jawan Northington, five years ago, I have a hard time seeing him going like Murray State. Like he goes probably somewhere. Like Louisville, Kentucky probably takes him late. And now they don't, you know, you've got the portal, so you don't have to necessarily take those flyers on on those lower end kind of guys. And so that, that makes sense that maybe his high school coach is pushing him or pushing his players to do that because that portal effect. Ah, the transfer portal effect. It's uh, it's made things crazy. I think we'll have what, three more years of the potential super seniors before things Mm -hmm. kind of even back out. Um, So something to keep an eye on it's uh, football recruiting. It never stops. Uh, I think we all were a little surprised when Porter popped last week, but that kid, he's a stud. And uh, Cats are they're off to a hot start recruiting. So, Zach, I hope uh, the first year treated you well. Uh, did did signing day – I hope it didn't scare you off because this signing day was by far the craziest signing day ever. No, I thought, honestly, I had, a, I had a bunch of fun. That was a great day. It was a long day for sure, but it was uh... – if that's what they're normally, or if they're not normally like that, I'll kind of be a little bummed. Honestly, I was, I kind of like the, uh, the nonstop action of just randomness happening and the random flips. And I feel like the, the transfer portal is probably helping make things a little bit more chaotic as well. They're busy, but that was very unique, Nick, <laughs> with the uh, Keontae Goodwin experience. Right, right. That, yeah. Um, well, yeah, that that by itself. That is that that won't happen every year. <laughs> well, growing up, I remember always watching I, I had like a year of four or five years in a row growing up where national signing day always fell on a day where school got canceled because of snow so I remember sitting there watching and seeing UK's class always be like 35th or something like that 30 like in the 40s and I'd be like 
oh man, let's just get like, you know, two top yeah. ESPN 300 kids or just one, like, you know, get one guy in there. And now it's, you know, top 15 classes yeah. Um, yeah. regularly. So. I'm interested, Zach, is there like a common theme or recruiting pitch you hear from kids like that UK kind of gives out or is every case really just different? Well, I don't know, you know, comparing to like other programs pitches, but the first thing that kind of comes back with Kentucky always seems to be like the relationships and the culture type. Like that always seems to be the first thing that kids and coaches will talk about when, when talking about Kentucky, I'm not sure, you know, if that's the same with other schools. Um, I'm sure with Louisville, it's probably not, but with Kentucky, that seems to be the case with, with every single person I've talked to. That's always the big thing they talk about is relationships um, particularly with position position coaches and uh, for the most part, Mario. Yeah. I think the stability selling stability, I think something we've seen that they, they've seen, they throw culture out a lot. And I think that's part of it. They're like, we've had a coach here for a decade. Vince Merrill's been recruiting the recruiting operation for a decade. I think that's a big, that's a big part. And I think it's, that's probably a good reason why their message is, um, selling so easily recruits now because recruits don't remember 2013 mm-hmm. they don't remember you know when morgan newton was falling down against western kentucky yeah but bud elliott had a good point he's like these kids formative years were like cam newton you know that was probably their first big superstar was well cam even newton. even even before then like if you're shamar porter okay class of 2023 when kentucky was playing in the gator bowl he was what nine years old, uh, about but yeah, something like that. So yeah. you know, yeah. you don't. <laughs> that's how young you gotta gotta kind of think of it. Well, and, and that's, that's probably that's why Louisville's what they know. got a nice little pop now too. They're, they they got the Lamar well, Jackson kids now. Yeah, they got the Lamar buzz. Yeah, that, I mean that certainly helps a ton. And but for Kentucky, that's all they know. like. And I think you're starting to see that in the high schools, especially in the southeast. I think you're seeing Kentucky have more success in that SEC footprint is because they've kind of won now five, six, seven years in a row. And it's not, it's not the same Kentucky. They're putting dudes in the draft. So different message, but yeah, I think um, the relationship part, the culture part, I mean, we hear them talk about that all the time, but I do think that is a big part of their recruiting strategy. Yeah, and and the mean? fact that Vince is just like a normal dude, Zach, like he, they're always <laughs> like, he's the realist. And it's like, man, when Vince holds court, he, people, people pay attention. Well, he was at Rupp last night, and people were yeah, – he got the loudest cheer. The only time it's ever louder when Vince is on the Jumbotron is when a guy misses two free throws for the other team and gets yeah. there with a free chicken sandwich. <laughs> That's the only time it's louder in Rupp than uh, when Vince is on the Jumbotron. But going back to the culture thing, like a, a lot of coaches will mention just the likelihood of Stoops still being the head coach at UK four years from now. Uh, you know, especially after getting that last deal, like even Shamar Porter's coach uh, pointed that out specifically saying that, you know, cause Wolford was a guy that also recruited Porter as well. And I mm-hmm. mentioned that and brought that up and they said, look, like, you know, there's so many other relationships on that staff. We know that Stoops is going to be there for, you know, probably the whole time that Porter's there for the most, or, you know, there, there's a good chance that is the case. So those are other factors that really went into, and obviously Porter's a guy that can come in and play from day one, as opposed to, you know, maybe not necessarily out of Georgia or, or wherever, or at least that's how they view it. Yeah, I think that's a safe assumption. Man, Mark Stoops, four years from now, what are we going to be doing four years from now? Zach, will you be what? Will you be 30 by then? No, yeah, oh. I will. 
you'll be saying like back in my day and complaining about your receding hairline. I already do that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, um, the charge call wasn't as bad <laughs> five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I appreciate you hopping on and talking to a little recruiting with us. Everybody, make sure you're following him on Twitter. Uh, Zach, I, I can spell your name written out, but I can't say it very well. So if you can say how to spell it, it'll probably go better to get those follows. Yeah, it's a, at Z Gagan KSR. So Z G E O G H E G A N KSR. Oh. I remember Gagan as the triple G. G O G A G A N. Oh, man. Triple G is like that fighter. Yeah, yeah. He He's not still around, is he? Is he still a thing? I just remember his name was awesome. <laughs> well, Zach, thanks for hanging out with us today and uh, keep up the great work, buddy. Appreciate it. Thank y'all.